Welcome to this playoff episode of Locked On 76ers. Game three in the books and the 76ers, well, they picked up the win, but the big story, getting the big fella back to help lead them to their first win in this semifinal matchup. Keith and I discuss it all next right here, Locked On 76ers. You are Locked On 76ers, your daily Philadelphia 76ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome, you are locked on 76ers. I'm Devon Givens from 97.5 The Fanatic Radio in Philadelphia, alongside my partner and co-host, Sixers beat writer for TheEnquirer.com, Keith. What's up, man? Big win last night. Yeah, yeah it was a big one, uh, 99-79. Six. Absolutely. Take that 20-point win, however you get it, and uh, get back into the lab on the off day and get ready for game number four. We have a series now, at least after not being down 3-0, picking up this victory now 2-1 in the series. First, we got to thank everybody for making Locked On 76ers your first listen every day. And remember, Locked On 76ers is free and available on all platforms, including right here, YouTube, on Locked On 76ers. Keith, you mentioned a 20-point victory. The team bounces back, coming back home, holding serve, doing what they needed to do on their home floor, picking up a win after losing the first two on the road in Miami. And they get a big lift, man. The presence of their MVP candidate, their all-star performer, their all-NBA performer, all-world player, Joel Embiid, back in the lineup, despite not having big point total numbers, 18 points and 11 rebounds, which was a game high, the 11 boards. His presence alone, Keith, uh, helped this team out tremendously in helping to pick up their first victory in the series. Yeah, it, it, it was huge. I mean, you, you kind of knew that he was going to give him the lift. Um, you know, basically, it was crazy. Um, when, when he came out for warm-ups, the crowd went crazy. And everybody stood there. I mean, the, all the media members, everyone was there watching him. And then it got to a point where once he came out on the floor, you knew they were in good hands. It was funny, man, because there was like certain things that they were that uh, Miami did defensively the first two games. They were unable to do that. And although Joel Embiid's shot wasn't working, you looked at around and you see that, oh, they're having a rebounding advantage. Oh, they're, other people are knocking down shots. So, just as, like you said, his presence on the floor really, you know, helps out. I mean, you know, he shot five for 12 from the field. Like you said, he had 11 rebounds. He did have four turnovers, but he had a, a one and block. that's to be expected. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. That, that, I mean, but, you know, it, it is, he had that. But you can't keep expecting that, though. Like, I mean, I understand what we're saying, but yeah. you ain't winning the championship when he's no, the ball. No, eight days off, coming back, yeah. dealing with everything he's dealing with, yeah. with the mask now on his face. Yeah. Getting used to that. I, but I didn't have a problem with that. The thing that really impressed me was the way he played Bam out of Bayou. Like, Bam was averaging 23.4 points yeah. and 12.5 rebounds. He was shooting, like, crazy against them percentage. Bam had nine points, yep. won two for nine shooting. Yep. He had three rebounds, three turnovers, and was a game worse minus 22. And so the crazy part me, about the nine points, Keith, 
is uh, four of them, if I'm not mistaken, came at the foul line. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Four, or four, actually, five of them five, came. At the five. Line. He shot yeah. five for eight from the foul line. So when you look, when you look at that, you're saying to yourself, "Yeah, the big fella made a huge difference. A yeah. huge difference." Yeah, it's night and day of when you have DeAndre Jordan as your starting center and Joel Embiid as your starting center where the, the 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 light the eyes just light up when you see those guys across from you even with Paul Reed uh, as the backup center but nah just just a big lift and Doc Rivers said something interesting post game he felt like the first 8 minutes of the game felt and be played well after that not so much <laughs> because the adrenaline of being back out there on the floor just got him through it and he was able to play well uh, as well as possible early on, even though it took him a bit to get the scoring going. It took the team overall a little while to get on the board because they just I think they were so amped up to have him back, being back in the home crowd. They were pressing a little bit. And as, as you saw it, after one, both teams uh, shot poorly in the first, I think it was, what, 21-17 after the first quarter. Low scoring affair, 99-79 is the final score. But the adrenaline that he played off of early on. So uh, it, just seeing that, but then he did good things later on, right? He had the one drive where he wasn't worried about really being touched. He did the Euro step. He got the dunk one hand. So let's not forget, he's still dealing with torn ligaments in his shooting hand. So for him to go to the basket strong, flush it the way that he did, it was encouraging to see that. And making his free throws early too, Keith, knowing that he's dealing with this mask, got to the free throw line again, like he typically does, knocking down his free throws. But he did it early, and I think that helped them out a little bit to see the ball go through the net. The field goals, they'll come. They'll, he'll get comfortable again in making his field goals as things go along. But I just found it interesting that, that Doc Rivers pointed out the eight minutes he felt in the first part of the game were his best minutes, and everything else afterwards were, were not so great. But I thought those minutes in the but third quarter. I'm going to tell you this. I respectfully disagree with Doc Rivers. You want to know why? Why? Because when you look at Joel Embiid in the second half, he had 11 points on three for five shooting, right? He went five for six from the foul line, right? Now, he did turn the ball over three times, but it still and his block came in the second half. So I understand what Doc was saying. A big block, too. He had a big block. Exactly, a big block. And not only that, you know, Joel was the first starter to go to the bench. You know what I mean? Like once they said, okay, we're cool, get them out of here, right? Let's go to the bench. So, again, Doc's my guy, but I respectfully disagree because he couldn't buy a basket in the first half. But in the second half, he won three for five. So I respect – I mean, I love Doc, but I respect – like when, when he said that, I was like, hmm, it took him a while to get, get going shooting the ball. In the second half, he looked good. Yeah, here's why, here's why I agree with you, too, because he, he stayed in for the entire third quarter. Yeah. He played all 12 minutes in the third quarter, and they needed every bit of him out there because, if you remember, they were up by 14. Miami came back. Jimmy Butler was just doing anything that he wanted. So, as a result, Sixers went cold shooting. Butler heated up. Max Struess made a couple of buckets, and they got back to within one point and they needed him out there on the floor. Uh, and they took him off of what, like two minutes into the fourth quarter to give him a little bit of a breather because he just flat out needed it. He was gassed. Yeah. But I, I thought like you, I felt like he played pretty well in the second half to help lock down this win 
20-point victory for the Sixers. So really encouraging to see him back in there and uh, maybe with a day off on Saturday. And then, of course, with everything on Sunday, he'll be ready to go 8 o'clock start time. Kind of late, but 8 o'clock start time on Sunday uh, in game number four. Sixers looking to tie the series up. When we come back, we got to talk about why Tyrese Maxey again continues to get off to these slow starts, but pick it up in the second half and why it's important for him to maybe get it going a little bit sooner. That's next right here, Locked On 76ers. Welcome back, and thank you for making Locked On 76ers your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. For nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts, it's free and available wherever you get your podcast. like the Phoenix Suns and the Dallas Mavericks also playing on Friday night. Dallas picking up their first win, like the Sixers coming back home to make it a 2-1 series. So we'll keep an eye on that, but make sure you check out Locked On Now podcast for the latest with the other games going on in the playoffs around the association. Keith, 0 for 3 in the first half, no points, pretty good minutes for Tyrese Maxey in the first. Comes out in the second half, he drops 21. Tied him for a team high, along with Danny Green. And he continues to just have these spurts, man. When we talk about sustained runs, that guy is a sustained run all to himself. How do they get him going, man, a little bit earlier in the games to get it, to get him a little more loose and get him into a good rhythm along with everyone else? Is it him? Is it the team? Is it the opposition and their defense? What is it? I think it's a combination of all three. Like, I, I do, honestly. I, I feel like, you know, you got Joel and B back tonight, and, you know, you want to get Joel and B going a little bit. Um, I also think that, um, you know, Tobias has been playing well. And if you notice, Tobias, they tend to go to Tobias a lot now in the first quarter. Yeah. Like they did. And I also think the defense, I think that they were trying to do certain things um, to him and, and, and like, de- uh, deny him the ball, whatnot. But if you notice, part of the thing is, the, here's the problem. James is at his best when he's a facilitator, Right. But in the fourth quarter, if you notice, what James did is he kept deferring the ball to Maxie, right? So it's kind of like one of those things where if you're going to give Maxie the ball early on, James not that spot-up type of shooter, catch-and-shoot type of guy. Then You know what I mean? So it's like different. Yeah, I do, it's but he, you know, that's something that they're going to have to address in the offseason. Well, right now they need it, but – that's who he's going to have to become sometimes where he is that catch and shoot option. True, true. But, but, but I also think that um, is the tough part is when you got a guy who's extremely ball dominant. And if you notice in the first half, like the last three games, see, this has been the switch. The last three games, he's been the one that's been uh, scoring double figures in the first half and then get two shots in the second. Right. Whereas Maxie has been the one that's been struggling in the first half and then like coming alive in the second half. You know what I mean? I just, and if you notice, Maxie has the ball more in the second half. So the, the thing is, I get it and I understand it, but you know, you got to figure out in order for Maxie to get off and do what he has to do, you got to figure out what you're going to do with Hart. You know what I mean? You got to figure yeah. it out. You got, yeah. you have to, you know, you have to. 
And one of my things pregame as I was doing the pregame show was with the news that MB was in fact playing, I didn't want to see guys, specifically Maxie, deferring early because MB was back. Do the normal stuff, get them into the flow. That stuff works, all of it. But also you needed to be aggressive because you needed to set the tone of what the game was going to be like, what the night was going to be like, that it wasn't going to be easy for Miami like it kind of was in the first two first quarters so far in these series. And I wanted to see Maxie just continue to use that aggressiveness early on and put some of that pressure on the Miami Heat defense, maybe get them in some foul trouble as well, get some guys playing on their heels. And with Kyle Lowry back, dealing with the hamstring injury that he that he is playing through now as he also suited up in game number three, attack him. And I, I, that was one thing that I, I, I highlighted as a, a key to the game pregame. And I saw Maxie, as you just alluded to, he deferred a little bit early on. Now, I know Harden had the ball a lot, and you had to get Tobias Harris his touches, and the same for, for Joel Embiid, trying to get him back into the flow, into the rhythm of the game. But they have to find a way, and Doc Rivers keeps saying it, we have to find a way to get Tyrese Maxey going early. Now, it's great that he's getting off the way that he's getting off in the second half, but you could also set that tone there early on where maybe you do extend a, a double-digit lead early on, where you do show that, hey, this is going to be a long night uh, if you guys keep playing your defense on me like this, I'm going to have that success. His speed, unguardable. They can't defend it. So they have to find ways, not just in transition, but also in the first half, those 12 minutes, first quarter of those 12 minutes, to see if they can get him into a, a much better rhythm early on. James Harden has to adapt. Everyone has to adapt. This is about championships here, trying to win a championship. So everybody has to sacrifice something. True, but that's easy said than done, dude. Yeah, I'm not out there dribbling. Yeah, it's, it's easier said than done <laughs> when you're a ball dominant dude like that. I mean, and again, he has been adjusting in the second half um, a little bit, but I, I just like I look at Harden when he doesn't have the ball. He just does. He doesn't move. He doesn't move. He doesn't. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He doesn't. He just there. Like, and it's like so. You know, it, it's just one of those things. Um, but you know what? It, it is what it is. You're right. He has to adjust, but it's just hard, I feel like, at this particular time. Like you said, maybe the offseason do some things, but it's just he just doesn't move. He's just there. Well, and, and, and one more part of that, when you said he he's so busy early on in the game, in the second half he might take lesser shots. I also wonder if he's spilling it all in the first half. And as far as his energy – Right, Keith, that he may not even have it in the second half to get loose like that, like he did in the first to carry that over. I don't know. We're we're all just figuring this out. Uh, We've seen him long enough for the last couple of months since February when the trade went down. But we're still we're still trying to figure him out after all this time that he has been here. Now we're in round number two and we still we have answers. We kind of don't want the answers that we have and we want to see some different things. And I'll keep bringing it up. When you tell me when you tell me you're a high level player and you think the game the way that you do, and I do think he can see and read things very, very well. He's got to find a way to get his other guard going off a little bit earlier. But that was one key part that was really good though with Tyrese Maxey going off for twenty one in the second half, helping to secure and help them with that fourth quarter thirty one seventeen advantage to close the game out and win by twenty. Another one, Keith was 
we finally got the shooting. Why it was important, why they need to continue to shoot that way in order to maybe do uh, you know something that uh, is really tough, which is come back from two nothing and win this series. But what your boy first time do, bro? Uh, did I, was he out there? <laughs> yeah, he was out there. He was out there. <laughs> well, well, we don't worry about him. We'll talk about the other guy that went off. That would be Danny Green next right here. Locked on 76ers. Welcome back. Yes, no Furcon Quirkmas uh, getting off there last night. And oh, well, what, oh, all right. All right. What, what helped of not having to use Furcon as much? Danny Green going seven for nine from three. And that'll keep other guys on the bench when he is playing and shooting the ball the way that he was last night. He shot the ball tremendously, and it was great to see that. And we talked about it. Sometimes when guys just get back on their home floor, their comfort zone, their comfort level, the shots start to fall a little bit more. Seven for nine. He shot the ball really well, tied for a team high, 21 points on the night. Yeah, he shot the ball well. I mean, like you said, he tied for a team high. And, I, and actually, I kind of feel like, that uh, last bucket that Tyrese scored oh, yeah. at the end, that was yeah. like, dang, Tyrese, you, you really wanted to do that? Well, it's still like eight seconds left on the clock. Shoot the ball. I don't know, dude. Normally you just hold it. Now, again, it, it, he did what he had to do. I mean, he did what he felt like felt best to do. But I just don't want to give the other team a little bit of an edge. But, look, here's the thing about Danny Green. And, you know, I hit you up during the game. Like, you know, Danny struggled mildly from the field in the first two games, right? In game one, he shot two for six, including one for five on threes. Then in game six, the small forward was one for ten while making one of nine threes, right? He definitely broke out that slump on on Friday, right? So, uh Green's 21 points and seven three-pointers came on nine attempts, right? All threes, right? Um, his hot hand also enabled the Sixers to break out of their three-point shooting slump. They made 16 to 33 three-pointers, and then Maxi joined in on the fun going like five for six. But this is what Danny had to say after the game. He said, it felt good to help my team and do my job. I'm not in any way shape or form satisfied we know we're we're not taking any deep breaths or exhaling we know we have to win a number game so we have to stay locked in so he said all the right things now right he said all the right things but you're right like role players we talked about this yesterday role players tend to play better at home and he played well now again if I'm the Sixers, I'm hoping and praying that he can sustain this because if he'd have made half of these threes, it probably would have been a different um, – I'm not saying a different outcome, but the Sixers wouldn't have got blown out uh, in, like they did in games uh, one and two. Yeah, man. You're absolutely right. Just reading those numbers, two for six in game one, one for ten, going three for 16 is not a winnable statistic shooting from arguably your best shooter right on the team with Seth Curry now a part of the Brooklyn Nets he's your number one shooter so he he's he's key to what they do uh he has to make shots it may not be seven makes but just be just be respectable and they have to defend you and you already have the reputation from your 
long career in the league and the championships and, and making big shots. Now, again, in this spot, I know you're different. I know you're older and you can't do a lot of the things that you used to, but you are out there for a reason. And those shots have to fall. So why that's important? Well, it opens up those other things like Joel Embiid able to get his shots off down low. Tyrese Maxey having the space to do what he needs to do and operate as well when those shots do fall for everyone else that are the role players. So that's why it's important for them to see it go the way that it did on Friday night. And they need that again on Sunday uh, as they get ready for uh, game number four as well. Jake Milton had a three. George Niang finally made a three. Uh, also, Tobias Harris, he just catching and ready to fire as soon as the ball touches his hands now. He's... <laughs> He's not even thinking about it. He had one crazy one where he caught it in the corner and he was fading to his left, running down the floor already. And the shot was ready. He was shot ready and it was gone. It went in. These guys, when you make shots like that, it just feels good. It makes things so much easier everywhere else when the shots start, start to fall like that. I don't expect them to make 14 again, or I'm part of me, what was it, 16 that they made? For, so yeah, 16. I don't expect them to make 16 every game but it has to be a decent number on good percentages. The other part, Keith, is before we go, when we talk about all these positive things and a little bit hardened with the negatives with the seven turnovers, 19 turnovers. This game was well in hand had they not turned the ball over early. Turned the ball over early. Too many turnovers, seven turnovers in the first 10 overall in the first half. If, if they don't turn the ball over early on, Keith, this game was done earlier because of how their defense was playing against the Miami Heat and shutting them down. Yeah, that's the thing. They got to get over with that. I mean, they had 19. 19. Yeah, 19. James Harden had seven of them. I mean, you know, he had seven. And I know he turns the ball over at a high rate because he's, you know, he he has the ball in his hands. But there was times when, you know, he was trying to do a little bit too much. And there was times when he was just dribbling the ball and, like, yeah. It was a couple of times where he lost it, but he got it back real quick. Right. It could have easily been nine turnovers, you know? So, yeah, they just got to shore some things up. Because at one point when Jimmy – I believe Jimmy scored like 12 points in the third quarter. Um, there was a point when I thought he was going to bring them back and they was going to take the lead, you know what well, I mean? He got them to within one. Yeah, he got them within one. 50. <laughs> You got them within one, but it was like the thing that got them was it was like uh, I think Maxie might have hit one, a couple threes, but Green, um, Danny Green, Green was one. hitting some, yeah, Danny Green yeah. was hitting some huge threes, and that like kind of helped them out a little bit. No, it just timely shooting, but defensively, if you uh, do your part and defend them a little bit better there and not turn the ball over, I, I really believe that the game. While it was eventually a blowout, a 20-point blowout, I think mm-hmm. they would have had this game in hand a little bit sooner had they protected the ball much better. They have to do that, and uh, that that's a big key once again in game number four. kind of tired of talking about it because look at where we are. We're after 82 games now, nine games in the books for, for this season. So we're in, we're, we're, already, we're in game 91, <laughs> you know what I mean? And we're still talking about the uh, turnovers. They they have to stop being so loose with the basketball. It's two possessions in the postseason are too important for you to cough the ball up the way that they did and giving up 19 points off of those mistakes as well. Well, Keith, uh, we'll be back on uh, Monday as we uh, get ready for uh, 
game number five. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to you after game number four, right, Keith? We'll come back to you after game number four on Sunday mm-hmm. night. And uh, we'll we'll uh, talk about hopefully. The and, and before we go, before we yeah. go, before we go, I want to ask you one question. Yeah. What do you feel about PJ Tucker trying to take it to the streets? In, uh, in, 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 in the uh, end of I thought, the, I thought he got frustrated because of how the team was playing. I thought he was trying to give them a little bit of a spark because they weren't playing quote unquote Miami Heat basketball. So he needed to, uh, you know, junk up the game a little bit by going after Matisse Thibel for whatever reason. Now, I, I think there was a play earlier where he felt Thibel was a little dirty, but. He knows, just like we know. Matisse Thibault is not a dirty player at all. He's not trying to hurt anybody. He's just trying to play basketball. And if he got bumped somewhere along the line accidentally and it seemed weird, okay, cool. Understand who it was. But when that happened, the reputation that they have, too, with the Miami Heat basketball, their culture, and also his reputation, maybe he felt like he needed to give them a little bit of of a spark to light a fire underneath them to get it going. It didn't work. Jimmy Butler was the only one playing. And, uh, you know, I thought it was weak that the officials gave Matisse Thibel a technical as well. I respect Matisse Thibel for standing up for himself. Now, he's not getting into a fight and going against that junkyard dog. I would love P.J. Tucker on my team, by the way. But mm-hmm. Matisse Thibel was not trying to fight him. But after a while, you know, you got to stand up for yourself. He gave him a cheap shot, forearm to his lower back. He had to do what he had to do, and I respect it. But I didn't think it warranted a technical, especially after they looked at and went back and looked at the, the uh, replay. So that was me. What about you? I mean, I just felt like he was really like I'm with you. I felt like he was trying to give his team a lift and trying to trying to bully the Sixers a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, and we'll see if that now carries over to game number number four on Sunday. So we'll be back uh, for game number four. Uh, after Sunday's game, and uh, we'll, we'll 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 recap that one and preview Tuesday's matchup. Uh, hopefully, we're talking about a two-two series. We thank you for making Locked On Seventy Sixes your first listen every day, and we will catch up with you and recap the game from Sunday, previewing game number five uh, when we get back with you. Now, make your second listen, Locked On NBA, where Locked On experts covering the biggest stories around the NBA every Monday through Friday in less than thirty minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Keith, hey, man, rest up. Get ready for this one tomorrow, man. Big game. I'll see you tomorrow night. All right, bro. And uh, I want you all to know you can listen to this podcast wherever you get your podcast out at. Just download it and subscribe to it on our Locked On 76ers YouTube channel. So subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to the, the regular podcast wherever you get your podcast at. Do it today, people. Do it today. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. right, Peace. Thank you all.